right, Bankless Nation, it's roll-up time. This is the third week of April. David, how are you doing? Absolutely fantastic. Third week of April and one of the most monumental weeks in crypto history, at least in my opinion. Price action is absolutely flying. And meanwhile, we have crypto's ever big, our biggest company is now a public company on the NASDAQ. So many things to get excited about. And we are going to go through all of them on this Bankless Weekly Rollup. Guys, if this is your first roll-up, this comes at you every Friday, every Friday a.m. Enjoy it with your coffee. This is the fastest way to download the week that was crypto because we hit the market, we hit releases, we hit news, hot takes, and then we end with what we are both excited about. So, David, I am super excited about this week. We are about to get into it, but before we do, we've got to mention some hot announcements that are going on. The first is this, the Bankless Badge. Bankless members, if you're a member of the Bankless Nation, you're a paid subscriber to the newsletter, you've got to pick up a badge. Why do they need to pick up a badge, David? They got to pick up a badge because they need to get one of these Bankless Apparel t-shirts. There is only 50 of them in existence and there's only six left to give out and we are giving out all of them next week to Bankless Badge holders. Uh, and so this is, it works as a raffle. If you have a Bankless Badge, you can go sign up for the raffle. Starting on Monday, we're giving out one every single day for the whole week, trying to get these out of my closet and into the hands of the Bankless Nation. Uh, <laughs> And, and that it doesn't stop there because the week after that is another week of giveaways, ending with a whole entire ether to one lucky bankless badge holder. Uh, so if you are a premium subscriber and you have not yet claimed your badge, go scrape your email for the bankless badge invite link coming to you at from lucas at banklesshq.com. Go find that email, claim your badge. Uh, and if you want to be a part of future raffles and future giveaways, Go be a Bankless Premium subscriber. It's gonna, it, it, you, want, you want the Bankless badge. Absolutely, gotta get the Bankless badge. This message is for those of you who are existing Premium subscribers. Go search your email for that. If you have any issues, email support at BanklessHQ.com. Just make sure you pick up your badge before Bankless Badge Week. Mm -hmm. You don't wanna regret it. You don't wanna miss out on the raffles. David, Raffles are gonna be tight. Raffles are tight. Oh, they're going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Just better every day mm -hmm. is what we is what the <laughs> promise is. Uh, David, we should also mention something really hot that is coming from Dharma, the Dharma wallet. They've just added a ton of new functionality that we just had to mention at the front of this show. David, I know you're a big Dharma wallet user. Why? Yeah, it's really a new paradigm in what a DeFi Ethereum wallet can be. Uh, this has brand new backend architecture that really makes the user experience of managing this thing just a hundred times easier. Uh, and what I what, we're going to get into this, but one of the things I'm excited about is retail season, which I think is coming. And retail season really needs infrastructure like the Dharma app to really be enabled. So if you are trying to get your friends into DeFi, yet you're worried about them getting caught up on gas prices, or gas management or whatever, uh, the Dharma app is the place to send them. Yep, and here's what you do basically. So go to Dharma.io, you download the app, you connect it to your bank account. What you can do is move funds directly from your bank account, mm -hmm. Wells Fargo, Bank of America, wherever you bank directly to DeFi, mm -hmm. not just the app, directly to a DeFi protocol like YFI, where you can earn 14% or Compound, where you can earn close to double digits right. in just one tap. That is the key thing. Dharma making it super easy to onboard your friends uh, into the bankless ecosystem, particularly if they live in the US. They've really solved that last mob, uh, mile problem. David, 
Are you ready to get into the week that was crypto? Should we start with markets? I, we have to. We absolutely have to. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start with Bitcoin then. As long as we're on markets, what is Bitcoin doing this week? Uh, Bitcoin is reached a new all-time high of almost $65,000 for 64,715. Nice job Bitcoin. Well done. Okay. Well done. Yep. Really really crossing some milestones as well. Uh, there, there are some pretty cool things about Bitcoin at its current price. Um, Bitcoin is currently worth more than the entire Brazilian stock market. Uh, and so the, the Brazilian stock market in the review, rear view mirror. Uh, and it's also c bigger than the British pound sterling, the total market cap of all British pound sterlings. Again, in Bitcoin's rear view mirror. Uh, Bitcoin just flying by the milestones. Nice drop. So that makes it the sixth largest currency, not cryptocurrency, mm -hmm. the sixth largest currency in the world at this point where it's touching like $1.2 billion. That's a pretty phenomenal milestone for crypto and mm -hmm. definitely for Bitcoin. But tell us about ETH. ETH is having a good week, David. Yeah, all, all the milestones that Bitcoin is flying by, Ether is also flying by its own milestones even faster. We are perhaps on the verge of crossing $2,500 Ether, uh, which is a, wow. nice, a nice round number to, number to look back at. We are currently at the price of $2,465. The high right now, now, the high that we touched a couple hours ago is $2,485. Uh, and we are yeah currently at the price of $2,455. Uh, a really, really strong performance of Ether in this last week. And as always, guys, when you listen to this, it could be higher, could be a bit lower. We mm -hmm. don't know, but it is definitely flying this week. And we'll talk about maybe some of the reasons for this, but the macro reason might be it's repeating history, right? What is Anthony Sassano telling us in, in on these charts and these graphs here? Right. So this uh, he's comparing uh, Anthony Sassano is comparing Bitcoin in 2017 to Ether. Now, the meme is always that Ether is always one cycle behind Bitcoin. And in 2017, uh, Bitcoin broke through the previous all time high of a thousand dollars and went up to uh, one thousand three hundred dollars, fell back down to one thousand dollars to touch that support from the uh, 2013 2014 high. And then we all know the rest of the story. It zoomed up to $20,000 after that. And this is the exact same thing that just happened to Ether. Ether uh, broke the all-time high of $1,400 uh, at the very beginning of this year, went all the way up to twenty uh, to $1,900, then fell back down to $1,400. And here we are, perhaps repeating history in the same way Bitcoin did last cycle. We are moving up, and uh, if, we, if you, know, you do the math right, Ether goes to 10K uh, after this if we are indeed repeating history. And so broke the, all -time, broke the 2017 all-time high, retested it, went back down to it, found support there, and now we are just zooming up, up, up. And that's a pretty fun uh, place to be. What's kind of fun too is that like, of course the market caps are much larger this cycle than the last Bitcoin cycle that you were comparing this to. But um, the, the units are, there's, there's, there's basically 10 times more supply ether than there are Bitcoin. So the units kind of match too, right? Mm -hmm. Bitcoin, of course, went on that 2017 run at the bottom of like 190 or so to you know $200 all the way to 20,000 mm -hmm. at the very top. Mm -hmm. And from a unit perspective, Ether might do the exact same thing. Crazy. I mean, crazy. I'm not calling 20,000 because right. I'm just not that guy. But I'll call, I'll call 20,000 um, when we're at 17,000. <laughs> if it repeats history, right, from a unit perspective, it could be similar. Of course, the market mm -hmm. caps are much larger now, so that could have a influence. But uh, hard to ignore these charts. We'll see if history gets repeated. We're about to flip in 
PayPal in market cap, Ethereum mm -hmm. is, it's 85% of the way to flipping PayPal in terms of market cap. That's pretty major. Yeah, and the ETH price action, uh, DC had this tweet where he says like, sometimes he feels like the uh, the ETH price action is really, really hot. No, it wasn't DC. It was uh, it was Jacob Franek of Coin, uh, Coinmetrics. Uh, and then he sees metrics like this, where e Ethereum as a whole is still worth less than PayPal. Uh, and then we re uh, he's reminded about how incredibly early we still are because Ethereum is should be worth more than PayPal. Like, give me a goddamn break. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave, let's talk about uh, Total locked in DeFi. How's DeFi doing with total locked these days? We were flat for a really long time and we are no longer flat. Uh, we were pushing up uh, between 40 and 48 million or billion dollars locked in DeFi ever since uh, February. Uh, and we couldn't really break through that $50 billion mark. We broke through it. We are at $58 billion locked in DeFi. Uh, I think over $10 billion added in the last week. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Also part of the, the new, uh, uh, new order of things is Compound is now the new leader in total value locked in DeFi and is the first protocol to have more than $10 billion locked in, in its, its application. We never would have seen this coming in, in 2018 or 2019. This is such a cool story. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I noticed Wiren as well. They just hit $3 billion, so mm -hmm. a major milestone. What this means is we're not even a year old. Not even a year old. We we're creeping up to that hundred billion dollar mark. That means money robots, bankless, programmable contracts in code we trust is going to be managing a hundred billion dollars of the world's assets. That's pretty cool. That's pretty sci-fi. Very mm -hmm. exciting. Um, David, let's talk about the DeFi Pulse Index. Is that reflecting some of this growth? I'm going to look at the weekly. looks like we're up on the weekly. Yeah, the DPI has been a fantastic asset to hold, especially in the last few days. Uh, last week, it was roughly around $470, $480. We are all the way up to four, $540, new all-time high in dollar terms for the DPI index. David, I think when we started talking about DPI, it was around 80 or so. So we've seen a cool 5X mm -hmm. as even as we started like talking about DPI and every roll up moving forward. But let's look at this chart. I know you like this. Right. Uh, DPI ratio to ETH, the DPI to ETH ratio. What are we looking like this week? Right, so DPI versus ETH has been down versus, uh, versus ETH since March, right? So Ether as an asset has been the better asset to hold versus DPI ever since the very beginning of March. We are down to the uh, low of uh, 0.2 Ether per DPI, but uh, in, the, in this last week, DPI has really rocketed off that 0.2 level, jumping up to uh, 0.22, so up 10% versus Ether. Then it fell back down, and then it did it again. And so what I'm seeing here is that DPI is really not wanting to go down below 0.2 Ether per DPI, really finding resistance at that 0.2 level. Is this the final destination of DPI resistance versus Ether? Perhaps, perhaps in the long term. Uh, and what this means is that, you know, th people are gearing up for DeFi season. If this if this support can hold for further and, and, and then Ether can finish absolutely mooning and then quiet down, perhaps some DeFi tokens will start to take the lead. That's what I'm seeing in the charts. This is all means that Ether is doing well, but uh, DeFi tokens are doing even better. Even which weller. Is, which is sort of interesting. <laughs> yes, even weller. Um, all right. We got to talk about some of the reasons for this. And mm -hmm. one of the reasons might be the launch of coin. So coin, of course, this is um, Coinbase's mm -hmm. much awaited, not initial 
public offering, but they are going public and they mm -hmm. went public on Wednesday. Maybe this is part of the reason that ETH is flying up. This is part of the reason that DPI, DeFi tokens are flying up. We'll talk a bit about that later, but tell us how Coin has responded and how it's done since launch, David. Yeah, so uh, Ryan, in that upper left next to the coin ticker, go from two hour time zone to down to like, uh, go 15 minutes, go to go to 15 minute uh, time tickers, yeah. Uh, and so coin uh, launched at the price of $410 and immediately fell all the way down to $330. And I believe at, at $330, Coinbase is valued at 85 billion, um, so, somewhere around that mark, or six, 66 billion. It looks billion. like it's around 66 billion, yes. Yeah, and Ryan, in our, 2021 bankless predictions we predicted that coinbase would uh, we didn't really put a time frame on it but i think pretty soon after its launch it would be trading above a hundred billion dollars and so jury's still out uh there are plenty of buyers who are buying coin right now but there's it looks like there's also plenty of sellers who are finally getting liquidity on 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 their coinbase equity um i don't expect this token this asset to be uh, below $100 billion for a long time. I think this is going to reverse pretty damn quickly here. Yeah, it could catch on. We we talked about this in our um, Market Monday, that this could become sort of the meme stock for crypto. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Later, we'll talk about how Wall Street Bets, for instance, the, the subreddit that has forever banned crypto is no longer banning crypto. Why? Same day that coin was released because they can get in on some of the action in their Robinhood accounts. That's probably why. But what's also happening is uh, hedge funds mm -hmm. and financial institutions are now able to access um, crypto exposure in a better way, a way at least that works with their existing uh, rails, right? Publicly traded companies, stocks they can invest in. Kathy Wood's ARK Investment Fund, which is a um, incredible fund. They've done mm -hmm. incredibly well, gotten ahead of many major technologies. Probably um, the best performing got... fund in all of 2020. And yeah, she's just killing it. Kathy's just killing it. Not even by a little bit, by a magnitude. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, we got to get Kathy on the podcast. But anyway, Kathy, 200, <laughs> yeah, 246 million worth of Coinbase is what ARK bought on the day that it debuted. So mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to see how Coinbase um, like goes too low in, in this kind of backdrop with this kind of support that, that's coming in the middle of a bull run. What are your thoughts here, David? Yeah, we just have to remind ourselves how long liquidity has been locked up for people who own equity in Coinbase and how ready they are, especially people who are savvy about crypto, how ready they are to double, triple, quadruple down on their crypto exposure. Um, so the, I know Chris Berniski thinks, uh, thinks this is true, is that people that have equity in Coinbase are selling their coin equity so they can access Bitcoin, Ether, DeFi tokens. Uh, and he, he says that he has the numbers to back that up. Uh, and so like there, there's just a, a, a wealth shift going on. Uh, Coinbase equity holders are shifting out of Coinbase and shifting into crypto. And then everyone who doesn't have any Coinbase is shifting into Coinbase. There's just a bunch of uh, churn in the, in the uh, coin asset right now. You know what? This kind of makes sense to me. If I'm a Coinbase employee, mm -hmm. right? A typical Coinbase investor with now some liquidity on the coin token, I'm I'm generally like a smart money investor, right? I I work at a major crypto exchange. I'm not just looking on kind of YouTube videos, right. uh, and for like bankless. finding yeah, except bankless <laughs> and finding the the new hot thing to invest in. I'm I'm relatively informed. And what we've seen is many of the assets, particularly DeFi assets and ETH, that Coinbase lists have gone up 
since the day that coin was listed. So I think there's something to what Chris Berninski is saying with these employees and insiders sort of cycling back into crypto. That's what I would do with part of the proceeds if I was in that position. David, we've got a lot more to cover. Guys, before we do, we want to tell you about the fantastic sponsors that made this episode possible. Balancer is DeFi's most powerful automated market maker. Typical AMMs just have two tokens inside of one liquidity pool, which can lead to fractured liquidity across the many pairs in DeFi. With Balancer, you can access the full power of multiple tokens inside of one single AMM, which unlocks an entirely new playing field of possibility. This makes Balancer an awesome building block for so many different use cases. Balancer pools can make asset indexes, but instead of paying fees to portfolio managers, Balancer lets you collect fees from traders who use your portfolio for liquidity. Additionally, Balancer smart pools can be programmed to have properties that change according to predetermined rules, such as changing the swap fee based on market conditions, or even liquidity bootstrapping pools, which can help you launch and distribute your token with day one liquidity. At Bankless, we used a liquidity bootstrapping pool to sell our BAP t-shirts to much success. Balancer V2 brings powerful new features that makes your money work even harder for you. In V2, idle tokens are capable of generating yield in DeFi without sacrificing liquidity in the pool. To top things off, Balancer is reimbursing gas costs with BAL rewards, meaning that your gas fees are reimbursed up to the cost of the transaction with the Balancer governance token. Balancer's mission is to become the primary source of liquidity in DeFi by providing the most flexible and powerful platform for asset management and decentralized exchange. Dive into the Balancer pools at pools.balancer.exchange today. MetaMask is your go-to wallet for the bankless journey. If you're going bankless, you need MetaMask, period. Browser and mobile, get them both. This is your tool to unlock the world of DeFi. Here's my favorite part. Now you can swap tokens directly in MetaMask with a single swipe. This has got to be the easiest way to trade Ethereum tokens. Choose a token you own, a token to exchange it with, and get your quotes. If you like what you see, you hit swap. That's it. What makes swaps so useful is what happens behind the scenes. It compares DEXs, aggregators, and market makers to find you the best price with the lowest network fees and the least slippage. This means you can swap a wider range of tokens, and swaps can even automatically split up your trade to give you access to better liquidity. You don't even have to think about it. Try it out. Download MetaMask for desktop or mobile now at MetaMask.io and start swapping. All right, guys, we are back with releases. David, this is a really exciting sort of combination release. This is Ave plus Maker teaming up. What's going on here? Yeah, this is some really cool DeFi money stuff. This is this is why we are here, right? Ave Maker uh, getting closer together as a protocol. Uh, Maker has one competitive advantage that no other DeFi app on Ethereum has, which is the ability to it has the the rights of issuance, the rights to print money. That's what Maker does. It can print Dai. It only prints it under certain parameters. But Ave wants to tap in, get, get closer to that power to mint Dai uh, by directly integrating the Ave uh, protocol, the Ave uh, money market, into the ability to directly put collateral into MakerDAO and mint Dai on behalf of Ave. So Ave is, but it's it's got V2 on L1. It's also got an integration on poly, uh, on uh, Polygon, uh, and it wants to be in many other L2s as well. And it wants all of these different ways to access Ave to have the same MakerDAO backend. Uh, and so this is going to, in theory, add a a bunch of liquidity to Dai because Ave can guarantee. 
expertise um, above and beyond and, and manage uh, a collateral into MakerDAO in a protocol, in, in, as a protocol. Uh, and so all of a sudden, like a lot of liquidity that Aave has can be put into MakerDAO to help with the DAI liquidity and, and DAI peg and DAI lending and borrowing rates. Uh, and so Aave and MakerDAO coming together. It's really cool because this is not a uh, user to protocol interaction. This is a protocol to protocol interaction, which is super exciting. It's also a model that we've seen in traditional finance. So think of MakerDAO, it's like the central bank and Aave as a commercial bank. Of course, these are both money protocols. So all of this can be automated, but it's a similar sort of relationship. You've got sort of the, the underlying money printing bank apparatus, banking apparatus that is MakerDAO. And you've got a commercial bank, which is Aave for lending and borrowing. Super exciting to see this sort of combination innovation here. David, let's talk about why gas fees on ETH are going down. Finally, yeah. they're going down a little bit. Yeah. Why, what's happening? Yeah, I'm used to gas fees only going up. It's actually a pleasant surprise <laughs> that gas fees are going down. And so there's this new service called Flashbots um, that has allowed a lot of the uh, gas auctions that arbitrage bots fight for to occur off chain. Uh, and so um, what's happening is that all of these uh, arbitrators who are consuming all of the gas gas base and, and bidding up average gas prices are just fighting for those, for, for the rights to process transactions in an off-chain manner, which really allows for a more efficient market discovery of what gas should be. Uh, and so as a result of that, there's a lot of transactions going in that didn't actually have to compete with other transactions. Uh, and so this is actually just turning into a, a, like a cut in half, if not more, uh, the, the amount of gas that people are paying. So really nice, really nice. So what's happening is basically these arbitragers, uh, David, who are kind of running these bots, instead of doing the auction and competing in the Ethereum protocol, they're using Flashbots to go off protocol and do these auctions directly with miners. So this is what we've called in the past MEV, Miner Extractable Value, right? So there's value in the arbitragers um, doing this, and there's value for, for miners in doing this if they get paid. But rather than that happening on-chain, that's now happening in this kind of side network off-chain, and so it's alleviating the mm -hmm. gas demand on-chain, which is good for users in one way, but it's bad for users in another, right? Because um, there's some front-running going on, right? Like there's some ordering, reordering of transactions going on that benefit arbitragers. Uh, are, are we also concerned about that? I mean, we are concerned about MEV, but I don't think there's any more MEV happening, minor extractable value happening as a result of this. Uh, it's just the fighting for who gets to claim that MEV is happening in a different realm. Um, we are always concerned about the instability that uh, maximum extractable value is, is what we are trying to call this instead of minor extractable value. Um, however, I, I don't think this is actually changing how much MEV there is at stake. Yeah, makes sense. And we're definitely going to talk about MEV in the future. It's going to be a major theme across mm -hmm. Bankless and crypto. Uh, another major theme, I think, David, is exchanges, crypto exchanges, becoming more like crypto banks, mm -hmm. uh, adding more services. This is Binance launching tokenized stock trading services, starting with Tesla, starting with the, the, the biggest meme stock of all, of course, a good place to start. All you have to do, 
is trust Binance, right? <laughs> so it's it's not a bankless money system. But what's happening here, David? Yeah, Binance is just making synthetic assets uh, to that are on like legacy stock markets. And the difference between the legacy stock market and Binance is Binance is offering these assets to people who don't who don't live in America, aren't domiciled in America, and don't have access to the Nasdaq or to the New York Stock Exchange. So it, it's one part like democratization of financial assets. It's one part um, very dubious, legally gray financial activity that American regulators are not going to be pleased with. Uh, and so this is a, always an interesting story. Binance is kind of like one foot in, in crypto, one foot in legacy, yet they are a real company in real meat space. Uh, and that is always interesting to me. There's going to be friction about uh, behavior like this. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see. But I think one major theme of Bankless that we predicted since the early beginnings is the rise of exchanges becoming crypto banks, right? Will these be the new banking overlords of our system or will we have more of a DeFi future? Mm -hmm. I think it might be a combination of both, but mm -hmm. uh, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. This is some cool functionality uh, Raid Guild has put out. This is a DAO that builds things in the ethereum ecosystem right so this is a smart invoice david so it's like a an invoice that's programmable are you up to speed on what this does uh yeah i remember reading about this really quickly but it's kind of a an invoice that turns it on its uh, that is inside out or backwards where uh you can uh, give someone the invoice before labor is done and the invoice who, whoever it has to pay can pay that invoice but not send the money so the invoice can be fulfilled and then labor can be done, and then the invoice can be executed. And so it's a way for uh, laborers to gain assurances that they are going to be paid for their labor because they can see that the invoice has been paid, and then they do the labor, and then they actually receive the money. So it's a little bit like a time lock contract where the person paying for the labor or paying for the services puts up the money, and so the labor giver or the, the laborer under, sees that the money is there, and they can feel assured assurances about uh, that they are going to get paid if they do the labor. Uh, and so this is really important when we talk about like global finance between internet strangers. Uh, there's a lot of that in uh, in the world of crypto is, is people do work for other people that they don't know and haven't met. Uh, and so reducing that tr those trust assumptions by something like this is really helpful. Yeah, what's really cool is this is another function of something you could do when you have programmable money. This would not be possible in the traditional financial ecosystem. But with uh, Ethereum, with DeFi, you can actually program invoices to execute on milestones, to escrow things. Very cool, new primitive. Um, you know, in time, this will this will be the way we do invoicing, I'm mm -hmm. fairly certain. Uh, David, let's end with releases there and get to the news. We got to touch um, the Coinbase listing once again. Um, this is this is from the SEC. So this is the SEC release uh, or the the filings, the Coinbase release of I believe this is their their form S one. So this is sort of all of the disclosure information that Coinbase provides investors prior to listing, prior to going public. There's a lot of really interesting information here. One thing I'll pull out. This was written inside of the filing, but also uh, came across in some of the interviews that CEO Brian Armstrong did was a, a statement he made that he expects 50% of future revenues to come not from his exchange business, but from non-trading businesses in the next five to 10 years. Those are things like staking, custody, debit cards. David, it's like banking stuff not exchange stuff banking stuff this, right like 
what back to the theme we we're just talking about with with Binance. This is Coinbase morphing into a new type of bank. And to be honest, like, look, this is bankless. Mm -hmm. So we prefer complete self-sovereignty over our money, but we are sort of one foot on the shore, one foot in the ocean in those in those two worlds. But I definitely prefer a Coinbase or a Gemini to my clunky old Wells Fargo account, right? Like, cause there's so much more I can do with even a crypto bank. It's very interesting to see them evolve into a fully fledged banking uh, like system. Even though they're not regulated as banks right now, they're becoming banks essentially. Yeah, and they're becoming much better banks. And this is something that like the legacy banks, the Wells Fargo, the Bank of America, is that they just do not understand what is happening here or the forces at play. Coinbase is going to be a better bank, um, perhaps out of the good nature of Coinbase leadership, but more definitely because they have to be because their competition is DeFi. And DeFi is the best money UX in history, period. Once you learn how to manage, you know, Ethereum and do Ethereum stuff, the DeFi bankless world is really just competitive. Like the yields are higher, every, everything is just better. And like it's just, and what Coinbase is morphing into is a bank that is closer to DeFi than Bank of America, Wells Fargo, blah, 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 blah. And so as a customer service or uh, as a, as a just uh, what their product and offerings are, are just going to be orders of magnitude better than Wells Fargo and all the other legacy banks that just don't understand anything and aren't trying, aren't, they, the Wells Fargo and all, all the legacy banks are having that revolution happen to them. The, the DeFi bankless revolution. Coinbase is undergoing the revolution. They are taking the revolution by the horns and saying, we are going to be a new age bank with perhaps DeFi in the back. And it's going to be able to just, uh, they're going to give better products and services to their customers. Uh, USC staking on, on Coinbase is, well, not staking, but like APY is, is 1% which I mean, it's not high in comparison to DeFi, but it's still like a hundred times higher than your typical, typical uh, checking and savings account in uh, Wells Fargo. Uh, and so these new crypto banks are the new banks. They are the new banks for the young people uh, who are ready to accept them. You know what, David, I, I love that description. I also would say, let's not stop at a new set of banking systems. Mm -hmm. Let's also go to DeFi. But I think Coinbase, to your point, is aware of what's going on in DeFi too. In fact, DeFi is written all over their risk section in this filing of, of what could potentially disrupt even Coinbase. So they're looking at that. And one way, to your point, that um, DeFi is kind of forcing Coinbase's hand a little bit, and maybe a small way, is Coinbase just gave all of their employees, their 1,700 employees, shares. Just airdrop mm -hmm. them Coinbase shares. Like this sounds similar to some of the, the token mechanisms that we've seen in DeFi. And I think it's maybe a nod of recognition of, um, of what's going on in DeFi. They had to sort of do the same thing. Yeah, we, we wrote about uh, Uniswap when Uniswap gave 400 uh, tokens to all of its users. Um, unfortunately, Coinbase regulatorily and just like logistically can't airdrop Coinbase equity to all of its users. Um, also, there's like 48 million Coinbase users when there was only like Oh, I wish they figured out a way to do that. Yeah. Hopefully Gemini will when they IPO, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but, but like this is, uh, companies don't do this. Companies don't have to give their employees equity. Coinbase elected to do this. And this is something that I see like as crypto culture exporting itself into the rest of the world. The, uh, the values and ethos of 
what uh, happens when you uh, distribute wealth in ways that benefit more people looks good upon you. And this is a planting of a flag for all the legacy companies that never did anything like this for their employees. Coinbase is like, look, we're the, we're the hot new thing on the on the legacy stock market, and we just gave our all of our employees twenty five thousand dollars. No matter if they are a an entry level employee or they are a C level employee, they got the everyone got the same number of shares airdropped to them. This is a new. This is a, a new. We are moving the overton window of capital into better and better wealth distribution mechanisms. And I think that this got started by Uniswap, and now it's moving its way into the equity market with Coinbase. Nice job, I Brian. Hope, nice job, Brian. I, I hope they uh, that the next crypto bank IPO listing rewards some users. That would be awesome. That would be so awesome. So if the Winklevoss twins are listening, guys, if you can make that wink, happen wink. when you go public, that would be really cool. Okay, uh, David, let's go to some Ethereum upgrades. The first is this. Ethereum just had a new upgrade. So this is a hard fork mm -hmm. uh, of Ethereum, but like not an aggressive hard fork where a third yep. party, this is a kind of a planned community yep. hard fork where everyone decides to update their nodes. What was packed inside of this Berlin uh, upgrade? Yeah, a bunch of just uh, deep coding stuff that I am not familiar with. Some gas uh, some gas prices got remanaged. Some new transaction types are in there. Really, it's just some protocol, deep, deep protocol level stuff that I just don't understand. It doesn't really in, impact the average user of Ethereum. Um, but as a, a, an unfortunate result of uh, this, these hard forks that Ethereum commits to every now and then to upgrade the network, uh, we actually had some hiccups with one specific client, which uh, resulted in some bugs that people dropped off the network. So that's why you might have uh, gotten some bad some bad reporting if you use Zapper or Zerion, some tokens didn't show up, or Etherscan was reporting stale transactions, stuff like that. We had some consensus issues. There's already a, uh, a, a update fix, uh, sent out to the open Ethereum client, which is the client that was experiencing these bugs uh, and so if you are running an open ethereum client make sure you go update that to the, the the new patch that was just released yep i believe it's already been taken care of and of course this was not like core consensus issues mm -hmm. this was issues with like block explorers and people using the open ethereum clients it's also why we have client diversity as we talked about mm -hmm. in the justin drake article yeah uh in, in the justin drake <laughs> podcast of course the important thing if you are a regular ethereum user nothing you have to do Yep. Everything is upgraded for you. And we are one step closer to the next hard fork, the London hard fork, which includes EIP 15559. Yes. Yeah, that is not a minor change. That is a very yeah. exciting change. Uh, maybe coming this summer. We'll see. If I get my, um, my Ethereum knowledge right, there's some of the updates in this hard fork were prerequisites of EIP 1559. And yes. so that leads into that. So, so now next step, EIP 1559 in a couple months. There you go. All right. Um, David Consensus, the people behind MetaMask, the people behind Infura, a number of early Ethereum Gitcoin. projects that have been so Gitcoin, so important to the success of Ethereum, just raised $65 million. And they who they raised it from is super interesting to me. JP Morgan, MasterCard, UBS, they raised it from traditional finance. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts here, David? Yeah, JP Morgan has always had a really close uh, relationship with co Consensus. They worked on the, uh, JP Morgan had their own private implementation of, of Ethereum, and then Consensus bought it. They've 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 been hand shaking hands for a while now. Um, yeah, and, and I think Consensus is about to, 
really pivot into a, a new consensus, right? Uh, we're about to talk about uh, Gitcoin and how Gitcoin pivoted away from consensus. And I think consensus is pivoting into a studio, an advisory studio or software studio, specifically for big name clients like JP Morgan, like MasterCard, who know that Ethereum can help them do stuff, but they don't have the, the employees or the builders or the knowledge to build it the right way. So they're tapping into the power of consensus to get that done. Yeah, it's it definitely reflects a desire from from some of these legacy banking and traditional financial systems to get exposure into the crypto realm. So that that I, I suppose is a good thing. Um, let's talk about Gitcoin mm -hmm. itself. So they have just, as you were mentioning, spun out of consensus. So what's Gitcoin doing here, David? Gitcoin raised eleven over eleven million dollars, specifically from uh, Paradigm, uh, and Paradigm is like, in in my opinion, Ethereum's best VC fund. Uh, Paradigm's behind Uniswap, behind some, of, and they're really leading the charge into optimism and solving minor extractable value. They are solving all of the hard problems in DeFi, and the fact that uh, Paradigm led the uh, led the round into uh, uh, into Gitcoin. Uh, it shows that they have a lot of faith in what Gitcoin has to offer. So congratulations to Gitcoin, uh, graduated from consensus into their own thing. Uh, and I think there's going to be a lot of cool stuff coming out of the, the Gitcoin team. Um, they are just doing absolutely fantastic. We should have them on sometime soon too. David, let's uh, cut to DYDX, who we just had on Bankless. So cool thing about DYDX is they just launched in their own Ethereum secured layer two using some super cool ZK uh, roll-up technology, and their volume is just off the charts already, right? right? So mm -hmm. they did 70 million in volume on their Perpetuals volume on the weekly, David. Like what this tells me is there is massive demand for layer two block space mm -hmm. uh, and for these decentralized exchanges. Once you release it, once you deploy to layer two, we're seeing the demand is already there. Yeah, in under 10 days, the Ether a perpetual, Ether USD perpetual swap is over $14 million in volume in, in 24 hours. And again, this is a brand new product. Uh, these aren't large numbers comparison to, to older projects, but these are this is a brand new thing. And there's already like between, and the other cool thing about this is that because they are on layer two, they can do more assets than just Bitcoin and Ether. So now there's Aave, Uniswap, and Chainlink. And uh, what Antonio said on our State of the Nation, if you haven't watched that, go watch that, that they are going to roll out one at least one asset per week uh, and so i just expect this this l2 exchange just to absolutely explode and they're definitely going to start with the DeFi assets yeah, i'm pretty naturally. sure mm -hmm. um all right let's uh YFI let's talk next about is my bet <laughs> yeah uh, let's talk about what else is going on in MakerDAO world the, the central bank as we were referring to it the, the decentral bank the decentral central bank mm -hmm. um they're getting into real world assets. And this has long been a part of the, the maker multi-collateral uh, DAI vision is, can we get some more stability for DAI from off-chain assets? Here's one of their first. I think they've had several before, um, but what is this? What are they doing here with this real world asset in MakerDAO backing DAI? Yeah, so it's important, like you said, Dai wants to be backed as many different assets as possible because that's how you achieve maximum stability. If we only had Dai that was backed by Ether and then Ether dropped by fifty percent, that's really threatening to Dai. Um, so not only should we diversify between other on-chain assets, we should also diversify to off-chain assets. And we are now seeing commercial real estate loans, short-term loans, coming out of MakerDAO uh, to to help uh, to to help bridge the gap for liquidity for people who are investing in real estate. 
Uh, and so this is this is very interesting. Um, off chain, there's an off chain underwriter, I believe. I, I'm fuzzy on the details. It's very legally complex. But people that are needing liquidity that they can't find elsewhere can come to MakerDAO, strike a deal with the DAO, and the DAO can offer them DAI liquidity for their collateral. Uh, and then there's also the the uh, uh, infrastructure set up under the conditions of uh, maybe there's a housing market crash. Who liquidates the property to pay back the DAI? All of that is managed. Uh, and so um, there's one world of off-chain assets becoming tokenized on Ethereum and then those tokens trading around. There's the other world of just off-chain assets only going into credit facilities like MakerDAO and staying there. And then the value of these tokens being turned into DAI and sent into DeFi, which is also almost kind of the same thing if, at the end of the day. Uh, and this model seems to be the model that is, is pi being pioneered here and perhaps going to be the one into the future. Yeah, it's interesting with like Maker has taken this approach where of course this some of this is settled in in meat space, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not completely trustless. But at the same time, there is a lot of meat space assets that are available to back die that could be partially imported into the DeFi ecosystem. There's something like 100 trillion, maybe more like I've 100 to 250 trillion in like real estate assets. Imagine all of that on Ethereum. You could mint a lot more die if you had access to a portion of that real estate capital pool. So this is some of it starting to bleed over. And um, just some grounding here, there's 500,000 DAI being minted on the back of these real estate loans. So uh, DAI, I think, is over 3 billion total DAI. So not a, not a just great- Just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit, yeah. foot in the door. I would expect it to grow. Yep. All right, let's talk about NFTs, David. This is cool. Epic, Epic Games. Wow. Studio behind Holy Fortnite. shit. Yeah, that's obvious. Um, yeah, so what what are they doing here? They've got some plans for the metaverse for NFTs. What mm -hmm. uh what, what are the plans here? Yeah, so uh, Epic Games, the team behind Fortnite, and Fortnite just exploded onto the scene, I think in like 2019, 2020, and Fortnite was free, but they made an insane amount of money selling skins and like other packages. And so I think what they are seeing is they are seeing the possibility of making NFTs on Fortnite, perhaps tradable skins, tradable unique assets, I don't know. Um, but it's just obvious that some company that is making a killing selling uh, selling assets on in the game uh, transitions those assets into NFTs on Ethereum. Uh, there, we know that this is product market fit. I have no faith or a complete faith. <laughs> Excuse you me. have extreme faith. No faith, no faith. <laughs> you know who this is also good for is mm -hmm. those building infrastructure for these big game studios. One of the companies building infrastructure for uh, these studios is immutable. Mm -hmm. And they have a, a ZK roll-up based Starkware technology, the same technology that powers DYDX, which we just talked about. Um, they've rolled that up into an NFT specific exchange that is secured by Ethereum. Perhaps that's something that Epic can tap mm -hmm. into in the future. And they've just announced a, a ton of different launch partners too. This is pretty cool. Yeah, um, and the golden age of NFT gaming is perhaps ahead of us, specifically enabled by Immutable uh, and excuse, Immutable X by Immutable. Immutable is also the team behind Gods Unchained, the trading card game. And so they are eating their own dog food. They needed their scaling solution to build, to make Gods Unchained their game that they made better. And so they made Immutable X. Uh, and so they know what they needed and then they built it. And now all these other platform uh, uh, games are coming to deploy themselves on Immutable X. Unimmutable X, like gas, there's no such thing as gas yeah. transactions. Like it's basically My, all micro free. pennies. And in, it's so times. scalable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And still secured by Ethereum. So super cool. I'm expecting big things here, David, especially as these 
game studios start mm -hmm. to enter, these legacy game studios. Um, let's talk regulation. Gary Gensler confirmed, finally confirmed, as Joe Biden's SEC chair, replacing uh, Jay Powell, who's not like there was a, uh, I, I think there was an intern person mm -hmm. uh, taking that role, but Jay Powell was the last chairman under the Trump administration. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, so we just had the podcast with Hester Hester Peirce, who expressed optimism about uh, Gary Gensler as uh, the SEC chairman. Uh, and this is not a, a world that I'm familiar with, but H Hester Peirce is Crypto Mom, and Crypto Mom is giving Gary Gensler the thumbs up. Uh, and so if, if, if you don't care about regulation, it's kind of all you needed to know. Um, but we do want faster, quicker uh, regulation coming out of the SEC to help provide the clarity for teams that just need to do stuff, uh, issue tokens. Hester Peirce has this three-year um, three-year uh, clause that allows people to, to issue tokens and have them not be security so long as they decentralize within three years. Uh, if that gets passed, that's really, really awesome for clarity for people that want to issue tokens but feel like they are hamstrung by regulation. Um, so many good things, I think, can come out of this, and I'm optimistic for it. Yes, this three-year safe harbor proposal, which you talked about in the podcast that just came out on Monday on the Bankless podcast, um, she has updated that and she actually put it in GitHub for like right. people to comment on, people to fork. Super cool, super like crypto native of her. Why um, Why is she called Crypto Mom? Because yeah, of stuff exactly. like this. I, just so plugged in. that You got to catch that podcast. You get mm -hmm. a sense of her perspective on Gary Gensler. I, I feel like if I'm reading between the lines, Gary Gensler may not give crypto everything it wants. Uh, in fact, some things might be not great for crypto, but it will give clarity. Which is it, great. It seems like. Which, which is a benefit and which is good. And Hester seemed pretty confident of that. So we'll see how uh, that evolves. Probably good news for crypto on balance. Um, David, let's talk about some some weird news. Mm. I don't know why banks are doing this, right? Like, so Bankless Twitter tweeted out, whoever controls that account, Bankless Twitter, um, who does on who, Coinbase launch No clue who even Somebody. controls that anymore. <laughs> I don't even know. I just see the tweets and I'm like, oh yeah, I agree with this. <laughs> um, tweeted out, the banks are scared on Coinbase launch day. And you know what? I think they are scared, David. You know why? Because Coinbase is creeping up in market cap to some of the biggest banks in the world. Mm -hmm. It's it's like a shot across the bow. Um, this is a tweet from Cameron Winklevoss. He, he's saying, uh, you know, he's, he's quoting that Gandhi, Gandhi quote. And he says like, you know, then they fight you. This is the bank's fighting us part. HSBC, a major bank, I think the sixth largest bank uh, in the world is not only banning the purchase of Bitcoin, so your HSB client, they don't want you purchasing Bitcoin through them, but you can't even purchase companies, stock, publicly traded uh, companies like MicroStrategy that own Bitcoin. They're stopping that too. They're banning that too. This is a memo um, from HSBC to all of its clients that you can no longer purchase MicroStrategy because they have Bitcoin crypto on the balance sheet. David, what is going on? Who do these banks think they are? This is so dumb. Like, why just why control it? Like, there's probably some compliance reasons that some of the lawyers or compliance teams say, "Hey, we shouldn't do this," but other other people are doing it. And like, there's no benefit to this for their customers. Their customers only lose. Like, and, and why are you fighting it? It just makes no sense to me. I do not get it. Like, any any time a bank fights this. They leave the opportunity for the banks to not fight it, to profit from it. 
Coinbase gets it. Coinbase yeah, then, then, grows in market yeah, cap, right. grows in influence. Let, let, I hope Coinbase is like, yes, please ban everything. Every single bank <laughs> ban Bitcoin so we can have it all. Like this is just a <laughs> nonsensical strategy. And, 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 and it's thing. just it's, it's insulting to the self-sovereignty of people everywhere. And, and a stark reminder as to why money needs to be a public good. Because if they can control what you buy and how you buy it, then you are under the control of people dictating your lives, which I'm personally not a fan of. <laughs> I know this about you. <laughs> I do feel like they're digging their own grave, David. Um, but you know what? Uh, the fact that they have the audacity to do it so blatantly. Audacity. Right? Like, I think they know that they still have some strings that they can pull. They have a monopolistic private-public partnership with nation states. Mm -hmm. They have lobbyists in Washington. They have lobbyists in London. They have lobbyists in all of the governments all over the world. There are some strings they could pull. And if things get nasty and they really want to stop crypto, I think they may try to pull those strings as well. So we'll see if they ramp up and escalate the fight long-term, they're digging their own grave. But short-term, I think they still think they're in power. Yeah. They still think they can control us, man. Oh, that's cute. That's cute of them that they think that. <laughs> I do want there to be at least one bank that tries to do everything in their power to stop this revolution from happening, just so we have this example model of like what a complete failure looks like in five to 15 years. It's, maybe it's HSBC. I feel like it's not going to be Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo is just going to be like, eh, we're yeah. not doing anything. We're not innovating. Whatever. We're, we're, we're good here. We're going to do nothing. <laughs> yeah. All right, David, we've got some hot takes we've got to get to you that are super cool. Um, but before we do, let's talk about the sponsors that made this rollup possible. Bankless is proud to be supported by Uniswap. Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum, which is what Ryan and I call a money robot. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. Something brand new in the Uniswap ecosystem is the Uniswap Grants program is now accepting applications for grants. We have been saying this for a while and we'll say it again. DAOs have money and they are in need of labor. If you think that you have something to contribute to the Uniswap DAO, apply for a grant to Uniswap. Just look at the size of the Uniswap treasury. It's almost $3 billion. This mountain of capital is looking for labor. Do you have something of value to contribute to the Uniswap DAO? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a uni grant at unigrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. That's exactly what we did to get Uniswap to be a sponsor for Bankless, and you can do the same for your project. Thank you, Uniswap, for sponsoring Bankless. Gemini is the world's most trusted cryptocurrency exchange. I've been a customer of Gemini since I first got into crypto in 2017, and it's been my main exchange of choice to make my crypto buys and sells. Gemini is available in all 50 states and in over 50 countries worldwide. And on Gemini, there are markets for over 30 various different crypto assets, including many of the hot DeFi tokens. And it's one of the few exchanges that has liquid die markets. Gemini just launched their Earn program, where you can earn up to 7.4% interest on 26 various crypto assets. If you're tired of paying fees in DeFi, or you don't want to worry about DeFi exploits, but you still want to earn interest on your crypto assets, Gemini Earn is the product for you. Another product I'm stoked to get my hands on is the Gemini Crypto Back Credit Card, which gives you 3% cash back on all of your purchases, but paid to you in your preferred crypto asset. 
When I get my Gemini credit card, I'm going to make sure that I get my cash back in ETH. So whenever I buy something, I get a little bit of ETH bonus back to me at the same time. You can open up a free account in under three minutes at gemini.com slash go bankless. And if you trade more than $100 within the first 30 days after sign up, you'll be gifted a free $15 Bitcoin bonus. Check them out at gemini.com slash go bankless. All right, we are back with the takes of the week. Here's a take, kind of a news take, but also a take in and of itself. Wall Street bets, r slash Wall Street bets, of course, that made news like worldwide when the GME GameStop stock fiasco was going on. They have previously not allowed crypto discussion. David Bankless has tried to get mm -hmm. in there, post something cool like, hey, right. check what we're doing in DeFi and Uniswap, right. ban, instant ban. Yep. Now they've just released, the mods have just released a post that said crypto discussion is now okay. This has got to be partially as a result of the Coinbase coin listing. What are, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, uh, we've talked a, a, a few times about this in the, in the distant past, during, specifically during DeFi Summer, about the concept of composable communities. The Bankless Nation and the Wall Street Bets communities are extremely composable. Um, they at just least don't know it yet. They just don't know it yet. There's perhaps more ape culture and more degen culture in Wall Street Bets. Uh, in, in, really? Oh, yeah, dude. They, yeah, they, they YOLO into GME at whatever. Yeah. For sure. More degen than DeFi? Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. They like are they are they summer? are CFI degens. Absolutely they are. <laughs> okay. uh, and and I like I don't think they understand the degree of product market fit that DeFi has for some of these people. Uh, and I I really am hopeful that uh, the Wall Street bets community and the bankless and DeFi communities have this fantastic marriage. So if any listener is a part of both, uh, do your best to be in the Wall Street bets uh, subreddit and talk about this subject uh, because like they already know what it's like to be censored. Uh, they already know the pains of centralization. They love to degen and ape. Like what more do they want? Uh, and so help spread that message. If you're in the Wall Street Bets uh, uh, subreddit, help spread that message. We're trying to get in there. We're trying to shake hands with the community. We want them to be listeners and subscribers to Bankless and we want to help them go Bankless because that's what they want. They just don't know it yet. I think this is a major step, though, to like tearing down the wall. And I think what was the wall constructed because of 2017, David? They had a whole bunch of sure. these, yeah. like, mm -hmm. you know, useless token projects right. who were spamming them. The token. And then crypto's a scam, all of mm -hmm. this. And, and so they, they created this blanket policy. Well, things are changing. The narrative is changing. Now could be the time for more composability. Um, David, I've got a take here. Are you ready for it? Let's, let's do it. Dude, people say Ethereum is hard to use, right? People say that. Um, have you ever tried to register an LLC on a state website, state of Idaho, state of Virginia, state of Washington, like set up an LLC and pay with holdings? Have you ever tried to do that? Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty goddamn awful. It's terrible. Yeah, mm -hmm. Like these state websites- I wanna rip my eyeballs look, out. It feels like they're they, they are built in circa, uh, you know 2000 and like no one updates them it's right? like they so, like, don't want you to do that <laughs> it's like hey they make it so difficult mm -hmm. and every single state has a um like a, a certain thing you have to register like mm -hmm. their entire companies like gusto and other mm -hmm. third parties that just basically take care of that pain for you and now thank this God is for the them. infrastructure we've had to build on top of this but i'm just comparing that because what are these state registries well they're just basically a legal meat space way to register what? Register a capital pool. That's mm -hmm. what an LLC is. That's mm -hmm. what a C Corp is, a capital pool. Well, 
I could do the same thing on Ethereum. I do that for with breakfast. one transaction. <laughs> yeah, like seriously. I and capital pool for breakfast. <laughs> this is what I mean. So there are some things on Ethereum that are are, are already 10x better, right? Mm -hmm. Like people don't think of Ethereum as as competing with um, like state registries and governments and the LLC and, and C Corp, but it kind of does, right? Right. I could mm -hmm. spin up a DAO capital pool multi -sig. anyone can join it mm -hmm. multi-sig i've got my banking structure uh structure already built into the system mm -hmm. um i've got like any i've got an id system built everyone has basically their ethereum addresses their, their bank account it's just a couple of clicks so uh it makes me pretty excited about the disruptive capability even though ethereum is hard to use right it is right it's it's already better if you know MetaMask and you're kind of a DeFi super user, it's already better mm -hmm. than what we have today in these state registry systems. It's much, That's much preferable uh, than all other legacy financial institutions. Um, yeah, you said it very well. No, no, no more needs to be said about that. Well, let's let's get some more from Hayden then. Hayden Adams, a bankless <laughs> podcast guest now, bankless yeah, podcast alumni. <laughs> really excited about that. What's his take here, David? Yeah, he his take is that the New York Stock Exchange has 2,800 tra trading pairs over the last 228 years, and Uniswap V2 has 36,000 trading pairs in <laughs> one year. Two of those I've made, uh, POV crypto token. Uh, there's a trading pair there. And uh, this other token, uh, BAP, BAP token also as well. Two trading pairs. Uh, I listed two tokens on markets with Uniswap. Uh, imagine me trying to get something listed on the, the NYSE. Wouldn't happen. I can't imagine. Wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and this is to, exactly to your point. Like all of the stuff that requires paper pushing and bureaucracy is just, now it's just a transaction on Ethereum. Just done. Like Dead. here it is like oh you want a trading pair sure you i'll just hide you have to bring your own liquidity uh but like whatever just just build it and then you can build it it just reminds me if people want an analog right like in the early days of media there were like what like four different news stations mm -hmm. that's it right mm -hmm. and then then we moved to youtube you have like hundreds of thousands of yep. channels yep right like millions of channels millions of different content producers Everyone can produce content. It democratized media. We're we're democratizing finance. We're democratizing asset creation and asset exchange. Everything's going to be tokenized. This is why Uniswap now has 13x or more the amount of trading pairs than the New York Stock Exchange. And it's only been around for like mm -hmm. two years, three years. Right. right. Like it's incredible. Imagine like, how many uh, it's gonna have by the end of this bull market. And I, What's crazy to me is people don't see this coming. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's coming, mm -hmm. it's happening. Maybe Dar it's happening Dharma sees it now. coming because you can, anything that's on Uniswap, you can get into it with Dharma. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Mm -hmm. um, all right, let's talk about um, <laughs> this tweet, I guess. All right, so this shows how early we are. This is a, uh, so somebody called my attention to this. This is somebody on Bloomberg um, and they are showing a, a a ticker chart of like Bitcoin, crypto assets, other. and crypto related they assets. Misspell, yes, they misspelled Ethereum, so it says Ethereum. Yeah, they missed the E at um, the start. <laughs> they missed the E at the start, and it feels to me like so that Thanker is kind of sitting here presenting it, right? Like Ethereum is still not a mainstream finance mm -hmm. name. They're still misspelling it right. on uh, on broadcast TV. This is how early we are, David. And it should be Ether not ethereum this is actually something yeah, that, that exactly. bugs me about even people inside the the crypto space is like they say like oh i bought three ethereums like no you didn't you didn't buy three ethereums you bought three ether like get, get that yeah. it's a it's a I, it's a nuanced point but like it's important i uh, agree i agree that's important i've i in like i used to correct people and i used to be like i know mm -hmm. what you mean is ether but like now i've taken it just like 
hey, it's just right. more important that right. we're talking about Ethereum right. and like, like, so I don't correct people, but people in the know know that there is ETH, Ethereum, the network mm -hmm. and Ether, the asset, definitely. Which brings me to a question. I actually tweeted this out and I want your perspective on it, David. Mm -hmm. This is a survey I tweeted out. How much longer will this bull market last? And so I put four options here, three to six months, mm -hmm. six to 12 months, 12 to 18 months, or more than 18 months. And you can see the results here on the screen. 46%, the vast majority said three to six months. Uh, and then it was kind of scattered to the other answers. What do you think, David? Well, uh, let me let me finish off going through the numbers. So, forty six months for three. Forty six percent said three to six months. Thirty percent said six to twelve months. Only seven percent said twelve to eighteen months. And then sixteen percent said more than eighteen months. Uh, I was in the uh, seven percent of twelve to eight months. So <laughs> really? I was in the significant 12 minority. 18. Twelve to eighteen months. Yes, right. Uh, and like I'm super surprised by people only thinking that this cycle goes for only three to six more months. Uh, I guess I'm a contrarian. I do. We have more than six months left in this thing. Absolutely. Okay, but let me ask you. So, 12 to 18 months—that's longer than previous cycles. Yes. So you are a, right? a long cycle cycle believer then. I am a fan of the super cycle thesis. Yes. Uh, two two cycles in one. I'm a fan of this. Yep. Mm -hmm. So this is that the cycles, the bull market cycles, just get longer. That's what you longer and cycle. bigger and bigger because we are in a late stage fiat credit cycle. Money is free. Money is distorted, uh, and there's so much cash looking for places to go, and crypto assets are the only remaining unallocated asset class that is specifically antagonistic to the decline of fiat. If there's ever going to be a super cycle in crypto, it's now. This is the cycle that crypto goes mainstream. Maybe in three to six months, uh, where all these 46% of respondents saying that's where the bull market ends, maybe that's when we have a very significant 40 to 50% correction. And then we just keep on fucking going for for <laughs> six to twelve more months. Like it's super cycle. Wait, super so cycle are time. Are you a proponent? Okay, let me ask you. Do you believe that this is the last cycle? And here's what mm. I mean by that. There is a there's a thesis that goes around in crypto, which is like, hey, this isn't going to be pattern recognition for the past four to five cycles that we've seen in crypto. This time it's different. This time we go mainstream. Don't expect your eighty to ninety percent right. drawdowns on Bitcoin and Ether at least, and maybe even DeFi tokens. This is the point. We've already passed the point of no return. We're not gonna get those types of things moving forward. And so this is really the last cycle. So I, what that's kind of saying is there won't really be a bear market after this. Like we'll see dips, but mm -hmm. it'll let a level off. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think that's completely in line with the super cycle thesis, right? Um, when, when we were in the bear market in 2018, 2019, I was listening to, and I was still very new to crypto at that time, People are saying like, oh, this new cycle is going to during the next cycle, there's going to be all the gains again because crypto markets go in cycles. And I was thinking like, but if everyone knows it goes in cycles, like if everyone knows it, it shouldn't be like that. It should do something different. It turns out it did exactly like what people said. We had, we're just going through a crypto cycle right now. But the difference is, is that crypto is mainstream now. And now there are the world's largest capital institutions buying into crypto assets, Bitcoin, Ether, putting on the balance sheet, investing in the space. The difference is that there is no further places to go after this. The, the top of the 2017 markets, we did not breach into the mainstream. We did not breach into hedge funds. We didn't have a micro strategy. This time we have all those things. There's no further places to go. There's already like conspiracies about central banks stacking Bitcoin. Like there's no, more, there's no further places to, to go, right? And so 
in six, three to six months, we maybe we top out and then have a big correction, but that correction just gets bought really hard. And then we just keep on going. And then all of a sudden crypto's mainstream. So I didn't vote in my own poll, but do you know what I would have voted for? What would you have voted for, Ryan? What, guess, you should guess. More than 18 months. No, <laughs> six to 12 months. Six to 12 months. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that, so I think that um, you could be right. And there's some probability that what you're saying, long cycle, super cycle, last cycle mm -hmm. is right. Um, but I also think that this could get crazier. And we've seen every, every single cycle of crypto get so insane and so out of whack, so far stretched above even fundamentals uh, at the time that the valuations don't make sense, right? Right, Like that, it just a dot-com boom, if you will. Um, so I kind of feel like we're going to see a repeat of 2017 blow off in top. 60, 12 months, blow off top. Um, now, I don't think we'll lose like 95% in Ether and we probably won't lose 80% in Bitcoin. So it'll be muted. Mm -hmm. But I do think it could play out the, the 6 to 12 months. So I sort of feel like, and here, here's the last thing I'll say on that is as kind of the, the, the other perspective on this, if people... Like the onus is on people uh, who are saying this time it's different to like disprove the pattern. And the problem is patterns can become self-fulfilling prophecies, mm -hmm. right? So like if all of the crypto OGs are like, oh yeah, we've seen this before. We've seen this right. four times. Like this is what the cycle looks like. At a certain point, they start selling. It creates a self-fulfilling sure. reflexive sure. flywheel effect on the way down. So I'm not saying for sure, mm -hmm. but if I had to guess, I feel like we've got six to 12 months and then some form of a, a bear market. Um, but we'll see. I hope you're right, David. You mm -hmm. could be right, man. <laughs> we'll see. Super cycle. That's all I got. Super say. cycle. All right. Uh, let's talk about this one. So um, this is Jimmy Ragosa, mm -hmm. I believe. What's he saying here? Yeah. So he, this is a, an important takeaway for what Ethereum is and why Ethereum has so much sticking power. Um, if any new technology that is, gets, dis, uh, gets discovered, it actually it finds a way to be built on top of Ethereum and tap into the power of Ethereum. Rather than building a competitor, you could actually instead just build an L2 or a sidechain that hooks right into Ethereum and tap into all the benefits of Ethereum rather than trying to have to get this new technology bootstrapped from day one. So, you know, Neo, EOS, Tron, they turn into apps in 2017. Solana, Binance Chain, they'll turn into apps in 2021. Anything, any innovation that can be placed on, that can be built, can be placed on Ethereum. And if it can be placed on Ethereum, it is going to be easier to get that thing bootstrapped than just to build a desperate, separate, siloed ecosystem. So Ethereum is the aggregation layer of all technology. Uh, and that's the take here. I've heard this a lot in the Ethereum community. It's basically like now we're seeing Solana and Binance Smart Chain and maybe a couple of others, uh, Polkadot, maybe this new kind of breed of ETH killer. Um, but we've seen this movie before. And last cycle, it was the same thing. It was called Neo, uh, Neo EOS, Tron, right? These are no longer the ETH killers. Um, so I, you know, I tend to, to believe this um, very much. I think this cycle continues to repeat. Uh, but is this an Ethereum maximalist take from your perspective? Um, let's go to the next take. This is this is one that that Bankless um, retweeted, and this is Vitalik Buterin on a post in r slash ETH finance. I think the the author of the post, the OP, was basically saying, "Hey, um, I'm starting to hear a lot of Ethereum maximalist mm -hmm. type of propaganda." So he compared it to Bitcoin maximalism. Sure. 
on like uh, Safadina Moose and some of the quotes they're saying, there's like, I'm hearing the same sort of thing. Like Ethereum is the only one, it will crush all competitors, like right. beware and be fearful. And Vitalik is responding to that. And what, what is he saying in his response? Yeah, let me, let me just read this out. Uh, thanks for doing this. We need to be alert to make sure that we do not become the thing that we fight against. I would much rather see people support the Ethereum ecosystem because they agree with its values and social and technological vision and not because we are the strong big thing, everyone else is a loser and we will crush them. For focusing on the former reinforces the community's moral virtues. Focusing on the latter equally attracts people who have those virtues, the price go up, number go up virtues, and people who do not, and perhaps the latter group, uh, and so it ultimately erodes them. So this is a conversation on values. Do we want people to come into Ethereum because of the technological and cultural merits that it has? Or do we want people to come into Ethereum because it's going to crush competitors and it's going to win? Which one do we want to promote as a community? And then Vitalik finishes, uh, finishes uh, uh, with, and if the values erode too much, anyone outside the ecosystem really will have a hard time seeing the difference between Ethereum and any other chain. So what Vitalik is saying is we should promote Ethereum based on its merits, not because it's going to crush competitors. I wholeheartedly agree with that take. And, um, you know, I, I think um, what somebody might respond when they read that from Vitalik is, is basically like, oh, so you're saying every chain is the same, right? Mm -hmm. And I also, I don't think that's what Vitalik's saying. It's definitely not what, what I would say, right? The values are really of the chain are really embedded in the protocol itself. And Ethereum has bankless values, decentralization values, right? It is not a protocol that is uh, aiming to be built for a small set of, of validators and, and folks that can kind of collude together and, and censor transactions, right? So I, I do think that it's important not to become sort of a chain agnostic because if you're chain agnostic, you're also values agnostic. And mm -hmm. I'm not values agnostic, right? Like I'm here for bankless. Mm -hmm. I'm here so that we can go bankless. Uh, not so that we can instill a new set of bankers who now control the Binance smart chain. So um, I, I totally resonate with what he's saying. I think it's a great point and only Vitalik can, can put it in that way. David, should we get to the last? What are you excited about this week, my friend? Yeah, you want to take this one first, Ryan? Yeah, okay. You want me to tell you what I'm excited yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Coin. I'm coin release. Coinbase, man. Like that's, uh, this is crazy. So what I think we're seeing here is blitz scaling, right? Mm -hmm. So some Silicon Valley have written posts about blitz scaling in the context of social media, but this is money system blitz scaling, financial system blitz scaling. So Wells Fargo, about 130, um, uh, 140 or so billion in market cap, right? And, and we've got Coinbase creeping up on Wells Fargo numbers, right? Like close to 100 billion or so. Wouldn't be surprised if it exceeds Wells mm -hmm. Fargo. Here's the thing. Wells Fargo has 45,000 employees, okay? 160 years of Wells Fargo to get to that market capitalization. Coinbase is about to achieve the same thing in nine years, okay? With 1,700 employees. Mm -hmm. Nine years, 1,700 employees. That is blitz scaling. How are they able to do this? Because mm -hmm. they built on crypto. They didn't build in the legacy finance traditional world. They didn't build purely on nation state-based technology. They built on crypto rails. So that's crazy. Order of magnitude gain, okay? What's next? What's next is DeFi. What's next is Uniswap. So another order of magnitude gain. You've got Uniswap, which is 38 billion. I would not be surprised, David, if we see sometime in this market cycle, 
and a hundred billion dollar uni token. Like it's not that far off right. at this point, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about how crazy market cycles can get. How many employees? 20 employees. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another order of magnitude improvement. And they did it in two years, three years. Mm -hmm. Like this is absolutely crazy. I think the outside world, um, we've, we've talked about so often, right? We're talking the hidden podcast. Why isn't the world talking about the Uniswap story? You know why? I think after some reflection, it's because it's happening way too fast. Right. Like they don't even see it coming. Uncomprehendable. Because it's uncomprehendable. Like this is not growing uh, in the way that Wells Fargo, they can barely wrap their mind around Coinbase's growth. They haven't, <laughs> banks haven't grappled with that. And now they're going to be faced with the next bank killer, right. uh -huh. which is DeFi protocols. Good game, banks. Right. Like it's over. <laughs> so that's why I'm excited in the context of, of the coin launch. Um, the banks can no longer control what's going on. They see coin, they see its market cap, they see Coinbase. They're going to start getting involved uh, in this. Uh, but you know the competition is, is just heating up and they're not going to be able to react fast enough to the blitz level of scaling that's happening in DeFi. And this is this is just fits into the pattern of, of history. Technology and technological adoption just accelerates as as we move forward. Like the, uh, the iPhone got adopted over X number of years, and then every technology after that just gets adopted faster and faster and faster. Uh, and that's what we that's what I see see happening in the DeFi space. And also, why here's what I'm excited about, Ryan. And as, as a result of that adoption, quickening adoption, I'm excited for retail season. Uh, retail season <laughs> marks the top in 2017. And I think it'll mark the top uh, in this bull cycle as well. But again, it'll be extended. Um, and we just have the infrastructure and the reasons to support retail. And I am getting I've been getting texts about crypto for a while. But so are we in retail season? We are start. We are in the beginning of retail season. Is what I'm getting for. Like Wall Street bets just opened up to to Bitcoin and, and Ether, uh, and I'm just I'm getting texts from from people that I haven't really talked to that in a while that are asking me about like Chainlink and Doge, uh, and so like, retail season is definitely getting started, and I think that's ahead of us, and that's why infrastructure like Dharma is going to be really really helpful to get uh, retail bank accounts connected right into DeFi in a way that treats them like a user of Robinhood with the customer experience. Retail season on the way i would love to read the responses to those texts where you when they asked I you said, about i it said goes. bitcoin and ether only and then and then i got the response well what about chain Don't link text me that. and i'm like what <laughs> no bitcoin and ether only and they're like what about doge and i'm like bitcoin or ether only and it just it took a while <laughs> i don't Guys, have too much faith. start it's just it's just like you got to start there and mm -hmm. understand why bitcoin and ether are valuable before you go anywhere else that's definitely our advice uh, to people who are new. David, you ready for Meme of the Week time? Meme of the Week. Best part of the Bankless Weekly Rollout. That's why we put it at the end. I'm sharing it. All right. <laughs> Gains in real life matter too. What are we looking at here? Yeah. So this is a meme that's been going around the internet. This was created by the guy behind the Bankless Twitter. His name's Mike Wong. Um, and it's got two two ladies in the gym and they are looking at someone uh, and he, they're asking, what is what do you think he's listening to? Uh, and the second lady says, probably heavy metal or hard rock. And then and then it turns into the the guy who's also the yes guy, the, the, the Chad yes person. I'm pretty sure that's what this illustration is. And this okay. guy who's lifting 500 pound dumbbell curls and the text is uh and this is alluding to what he's listening to in his headphones welcome to bankless where we explore the frontier of internet money and internet finance uh alluding to the the guy that's lifting getting gains but he's also getting brain gains as well listening to bankless that is awesome i love this meme uh by the way do you ever listen to podcasts while you work out does yeah, totally. this resonate with you oh 100 percent. I, I do too mm -hmm. like all the time it's Brain. like 
brain uh, gains on on muscle gains for sure yeah double double your gains why not mm -hmm. all right makes sense mm -hmm. all right david i think that's all we have for the roll-ups guys risks and disclaimers of course DeFi is risky so is bitcoin so is eth you could lose what you put in but we are headed west it's not for everyone but we're excited that you're on the bankless journey thanks so much for joining us <laughs>